I'm going to say something uh, dangerous here at the beginning that's going to put me at very likely at a very serious risk. I do not scare easily. Don't anybody use that against me, but I'm saying it. I'm saying I don't scare easily uh, for whatever reason by the traditional scary stuff, right? The stuff that people get scared of at Halloween time. I don't get really excited about horror movies. Uh, never really been too spooked by that. Uh, we're out and about. You go to a haunted house, go out on the street. Scary costumes don't really get me. I just can't. My brain knows it's just like a person like me. Uh, now, again, someone now is going to try to scare me, and you probably will. But generally, I, I don't scare. Uh, but I actually love scary stories. It's funny, but I do. Uh, if I hear a story, usually not around the campfire, but wherever I hear it, if I hear one that just gives little goosebumps on my arms after I hear it, that little tingle, that little, that little twitch of fear, uh, I, I have a good time with that. I like a good scary story. Uh, and and I, I've heard a few good ones in my time. So in the spirit of the day tonight, if you would indulge me, I would like to talk to you for just a minute about my favorite scary story in the Bible, my favorite scary story that we find in the pages of Scripture. Now, there's a lot of different directions I could go with this. If I say my favorite scary story in the Bible, we could look at some of the scary imagery from the prophetic and apocalyptic language of the Bible, books like Revelation. They're kind of scary to read through. Uh, we could talk about the five scariest words anybody could hear, right? Depart, uh, I know you not, right? That's maybe the scariest words that anybody could ever hear in their lifetime, this side or that side of eternity. But I'm talking about a real, actual, scary story. Okay, I'm not saying like some general. I'm saying an actual scary story, not unlike one you might hear around the campfire. And the Bible has some. Like, I don't understand when the Bible says, or people say the Bible's boring. The Bible has some great stories in it, uh, some great scary stories. Uh, but my favorite one that we're going to look at tonight really has everything that a good scary story needs. It's got several elements. It has an unsettling location. It has a monster, essentially, some very disturbing imagery, and most importantly, a great final twist, because every scary story needs a last, that last scary twist as you come across it. So with that in mind, I would like to tell you my favorite story from the Bible, and the story that I like to call Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. That's the name of the story. Um, our story begins after a long night on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, that in and of itself, that night featured life-threatening danger and uh, great fear had by all, but that's another story. So as we begin this story, a boat carrying a group of Jewish men slowly comes to rest at the edge of this foreign land. And we see at the start of this, it says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit." We don't know a lot about this mysterious country of the gatherings that Jesus and his disciples sailed across the sea to. History really doesn't tell us much about it. Uh, there are things here and there, but what we do know leads us to believe that this was an area with significant Gentile influence, okay? This is not a particularly Jewish place. So when the Jews thought of Gentiles, they thought of these people as living like animals, essentially, right? These are, these are just barbarian type people. They're pagans. Most Jews wouldn't even enter a Gentile's house, right? They're, that's how unclean they viewed them. And so you had to wonder if the disciples were surprised as the boat coasts on towards the shore here as they end up in this country. And in fact, you have to wonder if they thought that there would be nothing but trouble coming to an area like this with Jesus. And, and if what happened next was any, indi any indication, it seemed they were exactly right. Because if we look starting in verse 2 there again, it says, when they had immediately stepped out of the boat, 
there came out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones." I don't use the word monster lightly when we're talking about a human being, right? Because this man was a human. He looked like a man, if you will. But as Jesus steps out of the boat, the image that he saw coming toward him had to be close to that, right? What, what would look like an actual monster seeing this possessed man covered with gaping, bleeding wounds literally coming up out of the tombs to meet this group, right? Now that would scare me. I'm just saying, I don't scare easily. That would scare me to see the side of this man. And it seems that this man had even been a danger, you know, at most, or at least a nuisance to the locals because it says they had tried to bind him all of these times, right? Whether it be ropes, even up to chains and shackles. And the thing about chains and shackles is people don't break out of chains and shackles, right? There's one guy that does that. I call him the Incredible Hulk. This guy could do it, Right? The, the nature of his possession gave him the strength to break the chains and the shackles. So just, just imagine living in this village, in this city here, right? In the dark of night, you're laying down in your bed, you're trying to go to sleep, and in the distance, you can hear the screams coming from the graveyard of this guy cutting into his own flesh with these stones as you lay in your bed in the dark of night. That's scary. Okay? That, that's scary to think about, but that's what these people would have experienced. And when this man appeared in the distance, as, as Jesus literally stepped out of the boat and arrived, he didn't amble up to Jesus like a zombie. If you have in your head the zombies in the movies that kind of slowly walk over, no. He didn't amble up like a zombie. He ran. He ran straight at them. And I, I wish I could know what the disciples imagined what was about to happen as this monster of a man runs towards them on the shore. And it says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. But instead of attacking him, it says, and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. As scary as this man is, and he was very scary, the, the first shock to them and to us is that he was the scared person, right? He's the one that is scared and he is afraid of Jesus, right? Jesus, this probably very plain-looking Jewish man, uh, not you know, around the age of 30 or so, we don't read that he was incredibly muscular, and yet this muscular, possessed man is terrified of Jesus. But I shouldn't say that it was him that was terrified, right? It wasn't this man himself, because even though his lips were the ones moving, it was the voice of the unclean spirit, the voice of a demon that spoke from his mouth. And that demon knew exactly who Jesus was. There was no question that this spirit knew who he was talking to. That's why he was so afraid. <laughs> That's what spoke, struck fear into his heart. He rightfully calls Jesus the son of the most high God and then begs him in the name of God as if that was going to help not to torment him. Don't torment me. Don't do what I know you can do to me. This demon is begging this of Jesus. And we see why he's begging because in verse 8, if we look there, it says, for he, Jesus said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. After all the ropes and shackles and chains and everything they had tried to stop this man, to help this man, maybe even from, from harming himself, Jesus is the only one who actually has the power and the authority to defeat this monster. And the demon knows it, right? It knows what's going to happen. It's already basically a foregone conclusion as soon as Jesus steps out of the boat. 
Now, I have never seen a dramatization of this story. I've never seen it played out as a movie. I think it would make a great one if somebody wants to try their hand at making a movie of it. But I think the creepiest moment has to be in verse 9. And I want you to imagine the theater of your mind. If you're talking to this person, if you see a man standing here and you heard what it said in verse 9, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. That's creepy. That's scary to hear a person say that out of a human mouth. I am legion for we are many, right? This man did not have one demon. He was filled to the brim with unclean spirits. But those evil spirits party was soon going to come to an end. We know as we look in verse 10, it says, And he also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. The demons, they know that Jesus can send them wherever he wants. He can command and they have to obey the voice of the Son of God. And so they're begging Jesus not to send them away. And it notes here, now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. You remember how I said this was Gentile country, right? And here's clue numero uno, okay? A giant herd of pigs. Under the law of Moses, pigs were the filthiest of the unclean animals, right? You couldn't eat a pig. You couldn't farm a pig. You couldn't do anything with a pig. Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. And yet here's a giant herd of them on the hillside, right? This is Gentile country. This is pagan country, if you will. But if you want a disturbing scene for your horror movie version of this, right? Here it is after this in verse 12. So, so all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, I did not grow up on the farm. I've never been in the, in the pork business, never dealt much with pigs. But I've heard a pig in distress before, and I'd say you all have the squealing of a pig in distress. Can you imagine what it sounds like to hear 2,000 pigs drowning in the water right below you? Can you imagine the sound of 2,000 of these animals dying a slow death in a watery grave? And that's exactly what it would sound like on the side of that hill on that day. The end. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the scary part of the story. If you will, I, I think it is scary story in general. It's a disturbing story. There's weird things that happen. I think it would have been terrifying to see this in person. I'm kind of glad that I was not there in the country of the Gadarenes in that day. But again, I think it's a, it's a great scary story. There, there's a lot of interesting things that happened, except instead of like other scary stories, this really happened, right? Even as we read it as fantastical as it sounds, it really happened. And in fact, the story was so good that the herdsmen who owned these pigs first were probably very upset about losing their pigs. But after that, they went, didn't waste any time telling everyone in town about what had happened, right? This doesn't happen every day. 2,000 pigs don't commit suicide by drowning themselves every day. And I doubt that the nice gathering folks really believed what they saw when they went out to see what had happened, right? Because they were curious. What, what really happened here? Based on what they heard, something must have happened. When they got there, what they saw was legion, right? This man, the man, not the demons, the monster man from the tombs, and he was sitting calmly at the feet of Jesus listening to him. He was actually wearing clothes. He probably, they probably hadn't seen him in clothes in a long time, but he looked normal. He'd been completely healed, right? Jesus had sent those demons out of him, and this man was free from their clutches. And so, the nightmare's over, right? The, the scary screams at night, the, the, the turmoil of this man, the pain that he had went through, uh, the distress on the city, that's all over. Jesus has fixed it. 
but the best twist comes after that, right? Because every scary story needs that final twist. And if you look in Luke's account in chapter 8, it says, They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. In the end, for the people in the area, the scariest thing remaining was Jesus. They were scared of him. They didn't want him around. They wanted him to leave just as soon as he could. And so he did. Jesus didn't stick around when they didn't want him. He gets in the boat and he leaves. Instead of welcoming Jesus as a force for good, they beg him to leave. And he does. And that's the twist at the end of the story. It may seem to us in in some ways strange But I don't think it is strange that the gospel accounts portray Jesus as someone to be feared at times. A lot of times in the gospel accounts, you'll read Jesus doing something and those around him, even the disciples, it says they were greatly afraid when they saw what he did. And even though he was this unassuming looking Jewish young man, it shows him to be powerful Right? A person who was powerful, a person who could literally command the forces of nature. He could uh, send out unclean demons. He could heal the sick, any kind of disease, all of these things. That's who Jesus was. So, so is Jesus scary? That's a legitimate question. Is Jesus scary? Is he terrifying? Is he dangerous? And my answer is yes, he, he was and he is because Jesus is powerful. You should be afraid of someone as powerful as Jesus is, but the thing is, you don't have to be afraid of Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of the power that he has, because for some people, Jesus' power isn't something to fear. It's something to take comfort in, because in this story, all of these people that asked Jesus to leave that were terrified of him, yes, you had the larger group, but for one man, Jesus' power meant the difference between slavery to darkness and freedom. That man was set free by the power of Jesus. You know, that's not unlike what the Bible tells us. There's really only two positions that we can hold in this life. We can either be slaves to sin or we can have freedom in Christ. That's really the only two ways that it can go. Which of the two we find ourselves in makes all the difference? That's really the ultimate question of life. Are you a slave to sin or are you free in Christ? On that last day that we know is going to come, when we look forward to that and when we see Jesus descending from the clouds, for those of us who love God, who are covered in the blood of Jesus, he will look like a savior coming from heaven to deliver us to eternal bliss. I'm excited about that day. I want that day to come. But for those outside, for those who reject Jesus, for those who are afraid of him, send him away, want nothing to do with him, I wonder if they'll see a different picture. I know they'll see a different picture. I wonder if it will look like what the demon man saw as Jesus stepped off of that boat as he ran in fear towards him. If you look in Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11, it says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And then in verse 14, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. 
Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself, Jesus, treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Mark 5 is my favorite scary story in the Bible. But for the unbeliever, there's nothing scarier than this. Seeing Jesus and being on the wrong side of his power. So tonight, if you're on the wrong side, if you're not free in Christ, we would beseech you, beg you, become a Christian, put on Christ in baptism, have your sins washed away. The majority of us have done that. And yet we still find ourselves at times sinning, failing, falling away from him. And so we can return to God in repentance and prayer uh, and ask for his forgiveness and he will accept us back. And so tonight, if you have a need, we'd ask that you come while we stand and sing.